You are listening to the Photobomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Well, hello there. How are you today? I thought we were taking this week off. Uh, yeah, I did too. But you know what? I've got uh, I've been in the studio and I'm going to be just cranking out content, trying to make stuff for my YouTube channel because I'm about to get really busy uh, in January. So I figured, like, let's let's not miss a week. Let's surprise the bombardiers who think we're not going to have one this week, <laughs> and let's surprise them with a with a with a holiday gift: the gift of you and me, the gift of us, the finest gift known to man, without question. There's no finer gift than you and I together making up a bunch of stuff as we go along, which is what you're in for. I uh, I, I was I was actually thinking about our show and 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 how we market the show or or fail to market the show, but how we're perceived. Because if you didn't know that we were photographers and you were to tune into the show, it could be anybody could listen to it because we just basically talk about whatever we think of for the first twenty or thirty minutes of the show, right? And so, should we add something to the intro that's like, hey, hold on a sec, we'll get to the photography stuff, or even say, hey, photography stuff starts at 29.08, or just, or just, just leave it the way it is? I, I, what do you think? I, I don't think so, no, because I don't think that, I don't think anyone listens to a photography podcast because they're like, can you please get to the photography? I get, there's one or two out there that are like that. You can't spend an hour a week listening to nothing but photography, photography, photography. It's just, you're going to be, because you learn stuff and then you don't need to hear about it anymore, right? So that's, that's always been my problem with any podcast that is dedicated to a particular profession is that like you've, you know, well, we're going to talk about lighting a headshot today. Well, now we've covered that and half your people know how to do it. Half your people don't know how to do it now. If you cover it again, you lose the half that already know how to do it. They're like, this is boring. If you don't cover it again, the new people are like, they're not giving us any information. So I say we we eschew all that by simply not talking about photography at all. <laughs> see, that way we stay clear of having that problem. We just make a show that I just, we just happen to be photographers that we just talk about whatever we want the whole time. No, we, st- we, we, talk, we talk about current events. See, we talk, that's why we talk about current events because that is new and fresh to everybody. Uh. We stopped talking about process and style years ago. Remember when we first started the podcast, we were like, and how do you like to light a thing? And now we don't even do that anymore. You're right. It's great. That's great if you're brand new. Great if you're a new photographer. You're like, oh, this is great. But if you're a veteran photographer, you're like, I don't need to, I don't need to hear about, you know, three, one light ratios. It's not even the thing we're best at, to be honest. <laughs> like if you want hard, hard photography news with like great technical details, boy, are you in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, like you, you, you screwed up. You're definitely. Now, if you want some banter followed by banter about some of the latest stories in the photography world about 30 minutes into the show then then we are the show for you and so the first thing i want to cover in the news is this did you get new headphones i did these are, i got these for christmas and by getting them for christmas i mean that i went on 
Amazon got the link, sent it to my wife, and said, "Order these for Christmas." Ah, yes, I, that is the the time honored Perry household tradition. The time married, yeah, the time honored tradition of me ordering all my own gifts. Uh, yeah, we. I think our podcast is exactly what we've always said it will be. Our podcast is a podcast who are for people who are like once a week. I would like to go to lunch with some friends of mine who are photographers. Yeah, this is exactly what this podcast. You're, you're going to hear in this podcast exactly what you would hear if you went to lunch with us. We're going to talk about what happened in our week. We're going to talk about that weird customer we had, and then we're going to talk about, hey, did you see by the way that Fuji has a new camera out that that's exactly what we're gonna do and i'm gonna talk about what a flaming hot dumpster fire wonder woman 84 was did you watch this movie oh my god oh my god i didn't even have that in my notes i didn't even i didn't even have that i can't believe i didn't put my notes oh my god what a terrible terrible movie that is and we need to do this without spoilers i think to be fair but yes i think we both agreed that because I I was on Twitter and I saw that you had tweeted about it. Yes. And I thought, oh, good. Like, I felt like I was watching the movie and being gaslighted the whole time. Like, I was supposed to think it was great. I love Patty Jenkins. I love Gal Gadot. I'm like, I kept trying to figure out, like, what is the director trying to say to me here? What, is this a is this a parody? Is this a I couldn't I couldn't figure out what they were trying to do. It was a cry for help. It was Patty Jenkins saying, please don't make me do this anymore. <laughs> I just I just I couldn't. But yet there are people who like it. There are people who think it's great. Did you ever see Shazam? I did see Shazam, yes. Okay, I didn't. What did you think of Shazam? Because people have said that it's in that vein, and I didn't see Shazam. No, uh, Shazam is definitely a lot more whimsical. It's, it's uh, you know, I, in fact, it's described really as sort of the, the big, like Tom Hanks, the big of, of superhero films. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I would say that it's more like trying to hit the tone of some of the Spider-Man movies, the newer Spider-Man movies, as far as like energy and comedy mixed with a little bit of heart. I think it's more like that. The problem I think with, and, and Wonder Woman 84 did not fall into this trap, actually. The problem I think with most of the DC superhero movies is that at the end, someone just ends up fighting a big gray monster in a cloud of smoke and lightning. And that yes. happens... <laughs> In every and Shazam was no exception, except instead of in the cloud of smoke and lightning, it was like seven gray monsters at a fair, and like that was it was like just big, formless, nondescript, boring ass gray monsters, and, and and it just feels like you're watching the same movie every time you see a DC movie. Almost, we're like, there are some good ones in there, but here's why. Here's why that problem exists. Here's why Marvel is better than uh, than DC. Preach. And it's because Marvel has a lot of characters like Spider-Man or Daredevil who don't really have a large amount of power. And so you can have them go up against fairly ordinary criminals. But when you go over to DC, this is why in the DC universe, only the Batman movies are good. Because Batman doesn't really have any power, right? So he can go up against the Joker, right? But then you got Superman, the most powerful superhero that ever existed, followed closely by Wonder Woman, who is also extremely powerful. It's the same reason in the Marvel Universe why the Hulk movies are never really that great. Right. Because once you ramp something up to that level of power, they have to fight a giant smoke blob monster with lightning. or They have to fight. It has to be a world-shattering thing for them to fight, and you start to lose any perspective at that point. Well, it wouldn't be very interesting to see Superman fight the existential crisis. You know, yeah. so they so they gotta make a they gotta make a giant monster and punchy punchy lightning lightning, and you know uh, it's just a big CGI slugfest and it's just not terribly terribly interesting. But uh, I think Wonder Woman eighty four was cool in that way. Pedro Pascal 
was amazing as just a guy who's completely losing his mind for yeah. an hour and 55 yeah. minutes. I, I think he was great in, in, in the movie. And he every scene he was in, I totally believed that he was a, a, a person losing his mind and falling to pieces. I just don't understand how you could have a movie that was two and a half hours long and still not manage to develop a single character. Mm. You know, like Kristen Wiig's character, really not... Just just a couple of little things. Oh, here's a little thing, and here's how I am, and that's it. And now we're off to the races with her. And there's other things about her character. I still don't. We don't want to spoil it, but I still don't understand what happened, why she was the way she was in the end. Yeah, that was weird. All of a sudden, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, okay. Well, now you're that. All right. Um, I don't know why, but okay. Of course, it's possible I fell asleep during the part where they explain that. Yeah. Well, no, no, you didn't. You blinked and you missed the part where it explained it. Possibly, it has uh, a, a a bad premise. One, uh, it has questionable at best special effects by today's standards in in many places. It takes some very weird choices, and this was in the trailer, so this is a spoil. But somehow, Wonder Woman has been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years at this point, maybe more, because she seems to be immortal, and the whole time she hasn't figured out that she can like lasso clouds okay, and and like that. pull herself through the you're, air. You're gonna ruin it. No, no, that was in the trailer. There's in it's in okay. the trailer. Yeah. It's like she's yeah. lassoing yeah, bolts that, of lightning yeah. and okay. stuff. And yeah. and that's and that's and I'm just like every every time I just started to enjoy some of the like interesting on the ground parts and, and I thought Gal Gadot's performance was actually fine. Like the movie around the character. I'm just waiting for Kristen Wiig to get that vehicle where we can really have her just, like, Kristen Wiig, I feel, has an Academy Award inside of her waiting to get out, if they can just give her the right vehicle for it. I agree. Because she's yeah. immensely talented, but she just can't seem to find the right thing. No, I, I completely agree with that. You know, uh, can we just say that, uh, oh, oh, interestingly enough, I saw uh, an article today, it came up on BuzzFeed, it said, like, Wonder Woman 84 is a hit, and we're getting a third one. And mm. <laughs> I actually started watching the first one again yesterday, because I wanted to go back and be like, I'd be like, was the first one like this too? And I just forgot. No, the first one was really good. I mean, except for fighting a giant gray smoke monster at the end, you know, it was it was great. But it was also a period film, like World War Two or World War One, rather. And so that's always great. Like that's always great. Like that's that's so easy to make interesting because you're drawing on a lot of rich historical stuff. And I thought that you know we love as a culture, we love to live in those those eras of like the golden era of sort of good and evil in in the world you know you had the the good guys and the bad guys and it's very easy to tell who is who and it's really easy to make a compelling story out of those of out of those eras and so yeah i just you know i thought that the, uh, there was almost no reason for this film to have been set in 1984 uh, you know, it could have been set really at any time. It was set in 1984 because they thought, oh, well, this is, you know, it'll be a rich area for us to make fun of. We can make lots of colorful stuff and show people with perms and shoulder pads. And then people will laugh and go, ha remember when we dressed like that? I did notice that. Like the first scene when she was dressed in normal clothes and she was at lunch and I said to Bobby, she's got shoulder pads on her. Yeah. Not that she needs them. Yeah, they didn't miss that, that she has to have shoulder pads if it's 1984. Yeah, well, let's just. I was I was a little disappointed, but I did watch Soul on Disney Plus. I watched it too, and I wasn't impressed with it. But like all Pixar movies, at the end I was crying. <laughs> that you know, I mean, that's when I like I like when I watched. I wasn't like, ooh, what's going to happen next? You know, I wasn't. I wasn't really that way about it. 
but yet they still got me at the end. Pixar is very good at getting you at the end. I think that act, it, I, it's very strong, I think, in the beginning. I think it's really strong in the middle. And I think the end, it, it doesn't really tie everything together. It should have been tied together. The best part of the film was in the middle. And no spoilers, I promise, if you haven't seen it yet. When he and his sole companion that he meets after he falls down the manhole, also in the preview, also in the preview. Okay. When they go back to Earth and there's a body swap. And I think that that section in the middle is the... F- I was laughing a ton. There were some really, really great moments in it. And and it really, I don't know, did a lot for me. I thought that was the best. I was like, okay. I was all, it, was, it was all right. You know, I was surprised, though, because I, didn't, I, I knew nothing about it going in. So, so I was just like, what is the whole movie going to take place in this realm? And what, you know, so yeah, you, if you know nothing about it, watch it if for no other reason than how long has it been since you watched the movie and were completely surprised about what was happening in the movie with no idea where it was going to go. Yeah, I actually really loved you know, kind of what was trying to say, and, and I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I did love that, too. And I was tearing, tearing up at the end and going, yeah, sure, yeah, boy, we could use this at the end of 2020. I know I know that a movie's good with my kids, and, and honestly, they are not they don't have the most discerning taste, I'm going to be honest. They're, they're five and three and one. But you know that it's good because my five-year-old got up early the next day, the, the day after we watched it. And I woke, she sometimes will get up ahead of us, and she'll just go turn on the TV and start watching cartoons. And I came out of the living room, got my coffee, and she was watching it again. Okay. Like that's, so she went on her own and went to watch it again. Maybe because she didn't, like, she didn't get it. She's like, I can't believe they didn't wrap up those couple of plot points. Or maybe because she likes the cat. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a talking cat. Easy. Hey, no spoilers about this. About the about. Well, you know, you see in the video, you see in the pictures and everything that he's got. There's a cat. No, well, no, like, Ixnay on the at K. All right, so let's just okay. no, no just spoilers. saying. There's a cat. Speaking of my five year old, did you did you see the picture I sent to you of her with the skateboard? I did. You seem to just really be attached to that picture. It's a good picture. Don't get me wrong. But you, I, I, I feel like there's a there's a moment happening with you yes. and that picture as a father. Like there's some corner that's been turned. Well, here she is starting to at five years old. She'll be six in a few weeks. Uh, she's starting to choose the things that she likes. I see her personality forming. She has gone from like a lot of little girls. Everything's princesses and stickers and glitter, and she's sort of like picking her own music instead of just listening to what we give her. And she's sort of picking her own style of clothing, and she's developing interests based on stuff that we're not putting in front of her and so she picked up skateboarding all by herself and she's decided she wants to learn how to skateboard and so she's out there in the driveway every single day now since santa brought her a uh a skateboard and she's just really trying to learn how to properly do it and she's getting pretty good and she's five she's it's amazing and, and it's just a lot because I, I look like at this picture and i realize that we have begun the phase where she's not my baby anymore she's going to be her own person and it aches it hurts ah, she's the, five but you're still in the face for a while and now she's but i'm starting just like when you get your first couple of gray hairs you start to see oh sh- oh crap you know i am i am gonna get old and die like that's, yes that's really the first inkling when you're like look at your beard in the mirror and you're like oh my god there's as much gray as brown and that's it's the same type of like I'm looking at the future now. It's like and it's just sort of you I'm just seeing a flash forward of her. And so I feel like I the the photos that I'm taking of her now are going to be very very precious to me cuz it'll be sort of the beginning of the end of her 
just being, you know, my mm. baby. And then she'll just be this independent punk rock skater chick with eyeshadow on. And you know, lucky for like, you, you have two backups, though. Yeah, I got two. At least one of them's going to want to be my baby girl forever. At least one of them. You're not going to have all three of them go south on you. No, 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 no. That's okay. I'm proud of her, and I want to encourage her. That's the, the, that's the rub of being a parent, is that the selfish part of you wants your kids to love and need you because it makes you feel good to be loved and needed. But like the, the good, logical, good parent part of you knows that you have to teach them to be strong and independent and take care of themselves as soon as you possibly can so that they can have an extraordinary life. And if they won't ever leave the nest or go try anything or, or or go try to make their dreams come true or whatever, then you I feel like you would have failed as a parent, you know, at least in, in my worldview. And so I'm I'm really it's just kind of, you know, I'm just torn. I'm just I love it. I'm excited for her and it hurts because I'm gonna die soon. So Yeah. <laughs> gonna be I'm gonna be an old man before too long. My oldest called us last night when we were watching Soul. Oh my god, I've lost my phone, I've lost my phone. She called uh my wife on her friend's phone. They were downtown. I've lost my phone. I've lost my phone. So Bobby immediately goes in to buzz her phone. I get on my phone and look up on Life 360 where she is because it tracks her phone. Right. So she's like, where are, where are, we're on Ashley. We're on Ashley. We're on Ashley. We're at the museum. Okay, I need you to face the museum. Now look to the right. There's a crosswalk there at the walk right in front of a garage. I need you to head for that crosswalk. She's okay, okay. And my daughter, <laughs> my daughter... She can't stop talking. I don't know where she gets it. And so, and so the whole time we're trying to direct her to where it's saying her phone is, she's trying to tell us the story of how she lost the phone. I don't, you know, I just don't understand. Because, and we're like, baby, we don't care to hear the story about how you lost the phone. Right now, we just need to find the phone. You dropped $1,000 on the street. And we've got to find the $1,000 mm. as fast as possible. Uh, and even though she's paying for the phone, but I don't want her to have to go through that. I mean, can you imagine when you were 16, if suddenly you lost a thousand dollars? Yeah, that would have been the end of my social life. Yeah. So she, uh, so she's walk, walk, walking. So she's walking and I'm like, I, it's, it should be near that crosswalk and she's walking. And, and it was, it was really exciting because Bobby's now hitting the thing to make the phone buzz or whatever. And I'm calling the phone and you can hear Sam on the on the speakerphone on her friend's phone. And she's like, wait, wait, I hear it. I hear it. And you're like, and you just know they're out there in the middle of the... <laughs> Middle of the street, basically. Where is it? Where is it? Do those people have it? Do those people have it? And she's looking around, and she's like, oh, 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 there it is, there it is. And she finds it. I'm like, where was it? It was in a pool of water next to the crosswalk. Nice. And I'm like, it's nice to see you're taking care of that very, very expensive device. But that's so cool because... Of, right, right. You guys stepped into a heist movie, and you got to be the guy in the chair. Yeah. How cool was it, though, that we could bring it up? I could tell her where the phone was. Uh, Bobby could lock the phone if it needed to be locked. Um, yeah, that was just that was very cool. That the the technology is is pretty crazy. And all you have to do in exchange for that technology is give them all of your personal information. I got Bobby a bidet for Christmas. I okay, so <laughs> bidet, mate. <laughs> bidet. <laughs> I don't know why I always think of that when somebody says bidet. Bidet, mate. But uh, all right, I just won't say that again. Uh, so I did see that you posted about a bidet, yes. and I commented on that post, but I I didn't know. I thought that you were just doing what a Boo-Ray's random musings. No, no, we have a bidet. I have used it. Yeah. And it is exactly as I described on Facebook. It is like suddenly having a pressure washer on your ass. Yeah. I mean, and if you if you get and if it's aimed right, woohoo. Good morning. 
Right down Main Street, buddy. Yeah, that's right, baby. <laughs> no gutter ball. It's right there. <laughs> and, and, and it'll bring you right at nice ice cold. It'll bring you right up. Uh, you're awake now. And uh, what was surprising to me was um, how many people, when I wrote that post, how many people came back and said, oh, yeah, we got one, too. And then other people were like, oh, yeah, we got one. And ours has got heated water. And it dries you off. You know, and I'm like, and... I don't know, takes you out for dinner? I mean, people have got mm. some pretty fancy electronic gadgets in their toilet for wiping their butt. Yeah, but you know that you're living the upper middle class dream when you have nothing else to spend your money on. You go, you know what we could use? A bidet. A bidet. But we want the heated bidet with the heated water. And we want to dry you off at the same time and then wrap you gently in swaddling clothes and cover <laughs> you in potpourri. And read to you. Yes, and read to you or something. I'm just like, wow. You people are really intense about about the bum maintenance. You have a beautiful anus, Blu-ray. <laughs> yes, Your <I'm> anus <laughs> is the best one. <laughs> that would be like the Japanese one. You know, the Japanese <laughs> always have things that talk to you. <laughs> and, and they play music. The Japanese toys play music so that, you know, you uh, other people can't hear you going. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, although for me, it would need to be pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get through that without laughing. <laughs> well, listen, we have, we have, as we have talked about earlier, you literally will not use the bathroom in a hotel room where your family is because you wreck. Uh, you will just wreck the entire room for the trip. Uh, well, I am also self-conscious about people listening to and walking into the bathroom after me. I like to leave a little bit of magic in the relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like, my dad told me this a long time ago, and he said that a relationship has a currency. And just like any currency, it can become more valuable or less valuable depending on how you treat each other. And, what, and, 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 and so I think, I honestly think that for, for Julie and I, the way that we are about each other's ablutions, our, <laughs> our bathroom stuff, is actually great because uh, it, it, we've been together 14 years. I, I've, never, uh, I've never seen her pee or go number two. Uh, we don't, we don't like get changed necessarily in front of each other. We kind of just give each other a lot of space when you're having bathroom time. You actually live in two different houses. We, we haven't discussed that. They're, your houses are next door to each other. And you retreat to your own house for anything that involves any sort of undressing. We ain't got money like that. It's an in-law suite. You only honest. have sex when there's no moon. There must be absolutely no light. <laughs> we can't allow anything to be seen. No. Dude, I'm telling you, I've said this before. How are you gonna watch your how are you gonna watch watch your wife take the Browns to the Super Bowl and then like then take her to bed? I, I Because just, I'm a man, that's how. Because nah. I'm a man. I don't care if we're if we're taking her to bed in the Super Bowl. I am a man and there is nothing that's going to deter me from the act of sweet, sweet love, my friend. Yeah, yeah um <laughs> you call it an act. For you it's more of a lay. To be honest, it's saying. more of a lay down corpse pose. It's a one act. It's a one act play. Don't it's get me wrong. It's, it's not rent. You know, it's over pretty right. quick. <laughs> you know, it's more like, more like a street performance or a short film. You know what they say, man. Here bidet gone tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, can we cut that out? <laughs> I can see. I can see the glimmer in your eye when you were waiting to drop it. I've been waiting for a while. I'm gonna drop this in. I got it right here. Here it comes. Here comes the pun. <laughs> So anyway, so the bidet is uh, the bay. I you know what else? I had a uh, I had a bad support experience this week. Okay, and and this is this is a good lesson for you for you creatives out there. I got the I got the Oculus uh, you know thing right the uh, virtual reality. Yes, your head movies. And I bought the special strap that makes it attached to your head better. It's it's a fifty dollars strap, and it cracked. 
Hmm. And then I read that they weren't selling them anymore because they realized there was a problem with the straps. And then I read that they were now they were selling them again and they were extending the warranty on the straps and they would replace them. And I'm like, great. So I write in, you know, I go and I check and, they, and then I say, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to take a picture of this side of the strap, picture of this side of the strap. You got to get the number off the strap. You got to get a, a receipt that you bought the strap and send us a picture of the damage on the strap and send all that to us. So I get all that together and I send it off to them. And I say to my daughter, I go, this is great that they're just asking me to send a picture and everything, you know. They just send a picture. Show, we, we've sold you a piece of defective merchandise. Send us a picture. Show us that you bought it. Prove you bought it. Show us that it's damaged. We're going to send you another one. They went back and they said, congratulations. We're going to replace your strap. Now, if you'll just package up your strap, put it into a box and take it down to UPS and send it to us, then in a week or so, we'll get you another strap. And I wrote back and I said, why are you asking me to mail you back garbage? You, you sold me a defective thing. You know it's defective. That's why you're replacing it. I sent you a, and you made me send you a picture that it was defective. And now you want me to also find a box, box it up, and mail it back to you so you can throw it away. Just send me another strap and I'll throw this one away. And they're like, nope, sorry. Policy. It's policy. It's policy, Gary. Here we go. It's policy. An, an unjust policy. <laughs> I don't do that. If someone, if someone calls me up and says, oh, that picture that you had delivered to us, it's not quite right or whatever. I go, oh, send me a picture. They send me a picture. I go, you're right. It's not. I'm going to send you another one. You want me to send you this one back? No, no. I, I sold you a piece of junk. I'm not going to ask you to mail it to me. We have done that with volume photography before uh, for sports teams because we have found that sometimes parents, and it's very often the same parents year after year, We'll complain to try and get extra photos for free, right? And so we got we're we're going to send you an envelope, postage paid, and you just put that thing back in the envelope and send it to us. And when we get it back, we will send you a new one. Well, that'd be great if they want to send me a box. That's where I'm at. This is the type of like replacement thing that I like because I get so frustrated when it's like, go ahead and ship us a thing. It's like I have to pay, take half of my day and go to the freaking UPS store, or the post office, drive out of my way, box the dang thing up. Send it, you know, get a tracking number and do all this stuff with you. And when you're a giant company that obviously has a FedEx account or whatever, just send me the new thing with a box and a label to put the thing into, and then I'll send it back to you. And here's my credit card number. If I don't send it back to you within 30 days or something, then just charge me for another one. Like, that's fine. I can live with that. Like, why make the return so incredibly inconvenient unless... You're just trying to make it difficult for people to return stuff. Well, that's what Amazon does. Amazon will send you the replacement before you've actually sent them the thing that you're returning. As well, they should. Send me the thing and give me the box and send me the other thing. You've sold me something that you know is defective. So the onus is on you now, and you need to be doing everything you can to try and recover your relationship with me. Because you've damaged our relationship by selling me something, not just something that broke or whatever, but you stopped selling it because it was defective. Okay, you, you, this is clearly on you, and you know it, and you're trying to make it better, but you're actually not doing anything to make it better that you wouldn't do in any other case. I'm doing everything, except in other cases, I would have had to take pictures of everything and send it to you. I would just send it to you that way. You know, it was just, I just, I, was, I just thought, wow, you guys really blew an opportunity here. Because if you just said, hey, great, we see it did damage, just like we said it would, we're going to send you another one, you can just throw that one away. Then I would have been like, that's customer service. Thank you very much. Instead, I'm ranting on my podcast about how crappy it is that you treated me this way. And where, where, where did you leave it with them? Did you? Uh... Well, they sent me a 
they sent me a um, form to fill out about how uh, if I was happy with the support I received. You know what I've had happen before is I've actually had to talk my way into another level of customer service so that they will send you a shipping label. They will email you a shipping label that you can print out. Well, he did that. They, they did. They sent, they sent me a shipping label, but I don't have a box to put it in. So now I got to get a box. Even after Christmas, you don't have a box to put it in? No, but, but even if I had a box, that's not the point. What if I didn't have a box? All right. The point is, if you don't have a box, now you got to go up to UPS, you got to buy a box or pay UPS to, to box it. Or, and, 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 and it's literally garbage. It's a piece of plastic. It's not talking about electronics or anything. It's a piece of plastic that wraps around your head. It's a strap. We are wasting valuable global resources shipping this piece yeah. of crap around the world. It's a, it's a broken strap. You know what I mean? Why, why are you having me send this back to you? What are you, what are you going to do with it when you get it? Here's what you do. You, you, take, you, you do a video of you with the broken strap and the day's newspaper so, <laughs> so that you can prove that you've actually got it. Right. Well, the, the pictures I took of the strap that you requested were time-stamped. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. there you go. Here's one of me with the strap. Here's one of me with the strap on vacation. It's a broken strap. Send me a new strap. And apologize for having sold me a broken product. That's all. You know, that's just, to me, it's just no-brainer. Well, I think that, that uh, that's some very important information for people to remember as they move forward in their life is uh, <laughs> Boure needs a good strap. I do. I do need a good strap. Speaking of which, let's get into it because I have some questions for you about your big switch to Fuji. All right. All right. I am prepared for your question. Okay. Well, we got we to gotta go into photography news. Oh, that, that exists in the other realm? We have to go to the land of make-believe for that? We have to travel through the portal into the photography portion of the podcast. Talk to Miss, Miss Kitty, and what were the names of the... Do you, do you remember? Did you ever watch Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I mean, what were the names? King, King, was it King Leopold? Yeah, King Puppet Hand. Uh, uh, I don't Miss, know. Miss Kitty Fluff Fluff? I, you got me. And uh, Rabbit Killing Owl Guy. <laughs> I think those were the three main ones. Oh, and there was uh, the, the Queen, uh, Victoria III. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Yeah, cuckoo. <laughs> and the walrus. And the walrus. Okay, so it's uh, time to get into it. It's time for Photography News. Photography, photography news. news. All right, what's your question? Okay, the big news is you've made the switch to Fuji. You've had your gear for a few days now. Yes. And you had a dilemma, because we are already on the subject of straps. Yes. So, yes. Talk about your strap dilemma. Funny you should say that because here in my notes, I have a thing that says, talk about your strap. Oh, well, we already talked about a strap. Let's talk about another strap. That, that, no, I mean, that's the strap I wanted to talk about was the strap issues because one of the things that I am doing is I am trying to get away from my most favorite piece of equipment, which is the spider holster. No, hey, if Spider wants to sponsor this podcast, we both love you. Yes. I absolutely love the spider holster, and I have been using it for years, and I've always said that it is the one piece of gear that you could take any piece out of my bag, but don't take my spider holster. And Bure wishes he knew how to quit you. Yes, I do wish I, I do wish I knew how to quit you. Uh, but I am trying to minimize. I want to get down, because my problem with the spider holster is that if I'm wearing the spider holster, I'm going to just pack it with stuff. This is my problem. 
This, you know, I know people who use a spider holster and they just have the holster, but not me. I'm going to put bags all over it. I'm going to be like Batman in the utility belt. No, you look like the Maytag man out on the call. Like it's it's a big deal. Yeah, and and I also tend to put so much weight onto it that then it affects me, and I'm and I'm not a young man anymore, and I start to feel the effects more the day after. I might have a limp because one of my legs is shorter than the other, and it happens to be the leg that the camera sits on. Again, not a problem with spider. A problem with my you know aging physique, I guess. So I wanted to try and go back to wearing just a regular strap. And back when I was wearing strap before, I was using a Black Rapid strap. And I'm a big fan of Black Rapid, and their straps have gotten even better now, so that they fit differently on your shoulder, and they're more contoured and shaped. And it's a sling strap. Uh, But before I went down that road, I decided to try a Peak Design strap, because everyone just loves Peak Design straps. Right. I know you've got some. I know you've got Peak Design stuff. Yeah, I've got one. I like I like the stuff that I have. I don't like how it makes you have the little bunny ear red thong dongle things coming off the sides. It, it just, I don't know. It's an aesthetic thing, but it right. just drives me nuts a little bit. But yeah, they do make good quality stuff, no question. Right. And, and, and so I got a Peak Design, and I tried that on the first gig I had the other day, and I was like, mm, no. The, the biggest problem I had was was when you bring the camera up now, after having used a... Uh, 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 a spider all you had was a plate on the bottom of the camera so when the camera was in your hand there was nothing up top to be in your way now suddenly the hand hand comes up and you've got strap everywhere and buckles everywhere banging into your hand and if you're using a mirrorless camera with a flip out screen which i am if you flip the screen out to try and go high or low now the strap on the left hand side is banging into the screen right and blocking your view so one of the things that they say you can do with the peak design that comes with the gadget and everything is you can hook just one side to the normal strap spot, and the other side you can hook on the bottom. Mm. So your left side of your camera, as you're looking at the back of the camera, the left side has the strap, and then the right strap goes on the bottom, so the camera hangs upside down at your side. So I tried that, but still, the left side strap bangs into your flip-out screen. So what I did was, the thing that goes on the bottom has two eyes, so I attached both of them to that. Mm -hmm. So now my strap attaches to the bottom of my camera, and my camera hangs completely upside down in, in the way that a Black Rapid would, basically. Right. Uh, the difference is the strap itself turns on your body when you bring the camera up, whereas with a Black Rapid, the Black Rapid slides up and down the strap. Mm. Um, but also, the Black Rapid is bigger because it's got more contouring and padding and stuff up here, whereas the uh, Peak Design, you can just fold. It's, a, it's just a strap. You can just fold it up very small and put it in your bag. And I'm all about saving space this time around. I'm really my bag. I actually have like two open con- slots in my bag. My bag's done, and I have two open slots in my bag. Pretty rad. And I have other and I have other things in my bag that are like loose. Like I need to. There's extra. Sp- I've never had a bag with spa- extra space in it in my life. Hmm. Right. Then that's been my goal. Um. I I like the material on the strap. I like the width of it. So I was thinking about going to the Black Rapid, even though I returned the peak and going to the Black Rapid, and then I decided, you know, I'm just going to stick it out for a little while. Mm. Well, I have a suggestion for some of the extra space in your bag. You have what? I have a suggestion for what you could do with some of the extra space in your bag. I don't want anything in the extra. That's, I don't want a 3,000-pound bag Well, again. listen, I, I know, but you could use a treat along the way, and I thought maybe you could put in a bag of Werther's Originals yes, in there absolutely. that you could... That you could gum to death while on a job. Right next to the gold bond meditative powder (laughs) and the Geritol. And the Icy Hot. And the Icy Hot. (laughs) Oh, dude. Okay. 
<laughs> Not photography news. Make fun of me all you want, Mr. I always use a tripod and I haven't shot a wedding in five years. Okay, all right. Easy does it, Tiger. I'm just, just saying, don't, don't, get, you, get, you, get out there in the trenches with the rest of us uh, event shooters for a while and you'll be, you'll be going, oh, my shoulders. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. No, you're you're 100 right. I'm uh, I'm a big old sissy now. Uh, mo- <laughs> so we, Julie and I were on the couch last night. She goes, "Oh, my neck hurts," and I said, "You know, do you want some uh, icy hot?" I said, "I think there's some icy hot in the guest bathroom," and she goes, "You know, I'm just because I'm still I'm nursing and you know stuff like that." She goes, "It's really every medicine has warnings you can't take," and she goes, "I know that icy hot's topical." I said, "No, honey, it's not topical. It's been around forever." <laughs> she, I, I have, I got the hardest eye roll. She goes, "Oh, so you're coming hard in the paint with the dad jokes, huh?" All right. Yeah. Why not? Anyway, I just I thought sure. that was good. Uh, anyway. Please continue. <laughs> so what else do you have going on in photography news? Uh, well, I actually wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Fuji because Fuji's got a new camera. We haven't talked about this. And I didn't know about this camera. Someone brought it to my attention. The, uh, the Fuji uh, S10. Yep. Okay. I, um, I just bought my backup camera. My backup camera is the uh, Fuji X-T30. And someone had commented on the video I made on my YouTube channel about it. Why didn't you get the X-S10? Because it is image stabilized, mm. you know, just like the X-T4 is. Uh, and, and it's got the sensor that the X-T4 has in it. And I'm like, huh? How do I not even know about this camera? And so I went and looked it up. And sure enough, Fuji has come out with a new camera, the X-S10. And what's remarkable about this camera is it doesn't look like a Fuji camera. It looks like a Fuji X-H1 camera. It has a big, thick grip. Hello, ergonomics. Yeah. It has a trigger forward. It has a trigger forward. It does not have the big dials on top for your ISO and for your shutter speed and for your aperture. Ooh. It looks like the SX1. And they said that part of the reason they did this was they wanted this to be a camera that it would be easy for people coming off of DSLRs to come to Fuji. By getting this camera, it wouldn't be so foreign to them because Fuji's cameras are different. But you picked up your uh, X-T30 used, right? Yes. Well, see, that's the thing. And I made that point uh, on my uh, YouTube channel when the guy's like, you're, you're going to want to switch to the XS10. And I said, I don't think you understand. My goal is to never, ever touch this camera. This is my backup camera. This camera goes in my kit. And then, I mean, I think I pulled my backup camera out once in 10 years at an event. And even then, it was only for five minutes until I figured out what was wrong with my camera. And then it went back. So, you know, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on a backup camera. Because I'm not going to use it. It's just an insurance policy. So this camera's brand new. If I want to buy this brand new, it's I think 900 and change. It might be 999. On B&H right now, it's 999 body only. Yeah, so a thousand body only. I picked up my uh, my 30 used for 520 bucks. Wow, but this thing does look super choice. Really nice. Yeah, right. It's it's, it really is. This would be a great backup camera if I thought I was ever going to need it. Or if I could buy it a year or two from now and I could pick it up for 600 bucks or something like that. Yeah, it's got a 26.1 megapixel sensor. That's the CMOS 4 sensor. 5-axis IBIS. 425-point hybrid autofocus system. 4K at 30 frames. Complete flip screen. Yeah, complete flip screen. It's got that nice big grip. And I do like, although it doesn't seem to have as many hard dials, but half those hard dials on the top of a Fuji are just like, use this hard dial to pick your ISO. So... Yeah, this actually really does look like a good uh, transition camera to get into Fuji, and I'm sure that 
you know, the image quality is great, just like most of the other stuff that I've seen. Well, it's the same chip. It's the same sensor as it's in the X-T4. They did have to invent a new IBIS system for the camera because the camera is so small uh, that the X-T4 IBIS wouldn't fit in it. So they've they've created something new for it. So we don't know how good that's going to be. But uh, it's, um, you know, you don't think that Fuji can surprise you. You don't think anyone can surprise you anymore. And then Fuji's like, oh, how about this? How about we give you a $1,000 camera with the same sensor as our best camera? And different ergonomics, for those of you who don't like the ergonomics of our cameras. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a full flip-out screen. And I'm like, oh, yeah? What? Well, I, again, I even if you'd have known at the time this thing existed, I don't think you'd have bought it. No, no, not as my main camera, no. No, I, or even as your backup. I don't think you would have bought it as a backup. Because you, you were looking at the X-T30 and going like, yeah, if I buy one new, it's still, you know, however much it is. Yeah, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to buy one new because it was going to cost me 800 new. I'm surprised you bought it. You were talking about going without a backup camera and just using your Canon system as your backup for a little yes. while, like keeping that in the car or whatever. So that's what I was thinking about doing. And then I, but then when I saw somebody was selling theirs used for like 520 bucks, I was like, okay, for 520, I'm done. This goes in my kit. My kit's complete. And now all my Canon gear can yeah, be sold. Yeah, right on. Well, it, it certainly looks like a great camera. Um, you know, I, I'll see if I see what DP Review says and maybe post a link onto the uh, onto the Facebook page. Oh, and speaking of which, since we've been talking a little about your transition, I just want to give you a little bit of feedback from some of our listeners who listened to the podcast last week. And Richard asked uh, if the episode goes for the length of Godfathers Part 1 and 2 combined. <laughs> and uh, Alex Casares wants to welcome you to the cult. He says, welcome to the, to the Fuji cult Thank you. slash club. Thank you. And also, uh, interesting, Alan writes in about we had mentioned that the new uh, Westcott FJ80 Speedlight works across platforms. And he wanted to point out, just a quick note, there's another flash system that does multiple brands. And even the really freak ones like Pentax, I do believe Alan is our, our lone Pentax listener, with the same hardware flash and trigger system. And he is talking about the Cactus triggers, which are pretty cool. I think I remember a lot of people using those years ago when i started so uh just uh some good feedback from listeners people are excited i'm i've been interestingly enough reading all the comments on your youtube video and it's basically just hundreds of people just slow clapping so happy that you're that you're now <laughs> one of us join us well the big the big thing i mean fuji's a big story but i mean the, also the really big story is switching to mirrorless you know i i shot my first session ever with a mirrorless camera this week on christmas eve and um, so, you know, getting used to the strap issue, that was a problem. Uh, but I use a tripod, which I don't normally do when I'm shooting portraits on location like families. I don't usually use a tripod. But I thought now that I've got the eye tracking, I'm going to be working with kids. Let's whip out the tripod. So I whipped out the tripod. I set that up. And oh, my gosh, to be able to dance around behind the camera and jump up and down and do whatever I got to do to get their attention and just sit. You know, I shot natural light, which was, you know, me, I'm always lighting people. But it just that we had decent light for natural light. and We had kids. So I said, well, you know, I can shoot this natural light. And I've seen what we can do in the post-processing with these images, so I'm not worried about that. And I could just sit there and just rapid fire. Ting, 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 ting. Hey, 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 ting, 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 ting. And I know i got to have at least one. Yeah, I mean, I I'm more interested in, is that what your shutter sounds like? Ting, 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 ting. <laughs> it's actually very quiet. It's a very, the whole camera is very quiet. Well, that's uh, one of the advantages well, that's cool, man. Uh, the, that's the cult I'm most interested in you being a part of is the cult of photographers who still use tripods 
of which I am I am their yeah. king. I am the leader and the grand poobah. I'll tell you another thing I had to do uh, on this shoot was uh, she wanted to be she wanted to have her pictures taken on railroad tracks. Yeah, I saw that. She, she went around and looked for a location. She went around and looked for a location because it was like two hours from here. And so she was sending me pictures of locations, and she really wanted railroad tracks. And I wrote back to her, and I said, "I, I'm not, I can't take your picture on railroad tracks. I'm we've sorry." We've covered the story. We've covered many stories over the years of people being hurt. Yeah, it's illegal and it's dangerous. And you and I, uh, both of us, are a little, you know, like I, I, you know, I don't know how stupid you have to be to not see and hear the train coming. But yeah, I always wonder about that. But but that's okay. But still, we're team players, and so we're not going to play. We're not going to. We're not going to go on the railroad tracks. And so I told her that. And so she went and found a park, a little park back in some neighborhood somewhere. And there were defunct railroad tracks in the park. At some point, there had been a railroad that went through there. They had torn it up, but they had not torn up the tracks that were in the park. Oh, Jesus. Don't tell anybody where that is because every photographer will be flying there. I was just like... Well, this is great because I can shoot on railroad tracks all day long and there's no and there's they're not actual railroad tracks. But then it it begs the question, am I still am I still doing something I shouldn't do because I am promoting the idea of having your picture taken on railroad tracks? Interesting. Um, I would say yes, just because. But at the same time, you know, people haters going to hate. You know, like, you know, I mean, there's part of me that says, yeah, you are, Bure. You shouldn't, you still shouldn't be doing that because it will tell other photographers or other people that it's okay to shoot on railroad tracks. But then there's the other part of me that says, that's what your client wanted. And technically, you did not break the law or put anyone in danger. I would do it, but I, if it was a situation like that, I just wouldn't post it. Uh, you know, I just don't think I would post it just for those, for those exact reasons. And not only that, I wouldn't want to field all the comments of, of uh, people going, you know, you're not supposed to do that. And then I'd go, yes, I know I'm not supposed to do that. That's a disused railroad tracks in a private park. And- I think I probably will post it, but I will use it as an opportunity to talk about why you shouldn't shoot on railroad tracks. Oh, there you go. I'll be like, you know, look at this picture. And, and yes, it's on railroad tracks. But let me make it clear that we got railroad tracks that were defunct and blah, 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 because you're not supposed to be shooting on railroad tracks. Uh, but even if I do that, I'm sure I'm going to get some blowback. Yeah, there's no question. There's no question. Speaking of blowback, I wanted to talk about this very interesting story, which we seem to have skipped last week. But as of December 18th, the U.S. government adds DJI, maker of all things drone and lots and lots of cool equipment like the Osmo and, and plenty of other things that creators like to use. Is uh, DJ, add, The U.S. government adds DJI to commerce blacklist over ties to the Chinese government. So it, it, the way I understand it is this. It pretty much even though the DJI is a privately owned company, basically in China, the government is has the power to pretty much do whatever they want. And so if China comes to your company, it, it, like if, if the United States goes to Facebook and say, Facebook, give us all of your files, and Facebook goes, gives them the middle finger and says, no. And then they go to court and they fight it out, and then eventually a judge somewhere decides what's legal. Uh, In China, the government comes and says, DJI, give us all your files and GPS information on everybody who has a DJI product. They have to go, yeah, okay. And and so it's a legitimate security concern when companies are not just putting products into the United States, but GPS-enabled products that are pretty much the number one selling brand of that very problematic piece of hardware all over the United States. So if you think about it, I own one. It's in my bag sitting next to me right now. Thousands and thousands and thousands, hell, maybe millions of people, probably millions, have these flying camera-enabled GPS things in their homes and in their studios and in their whatever. And that's 
got the potential to be gathering whatever data they can possibly mine from from the apps that people are using and email addresses and 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 location information and it is possible theoretically that that information could be compromised and so what's basically happened right. is that the US government has uh forbidden US firms from exporting technology to DJI so a company in the United States that maybe makes a certain thing or they patent a certain or license a certain piece of technology or create parts for these devices are no longer allowed to export those to the company and and, and not only that but this is also making it more difficult for resellers of said products in the United States to get and resell those products so your thoughts boo well okay i mean you got to do what you got to do Right. Yeah, I mean, but the problem is there's no there there are no American companies making anything near this good, and and so many right. people have. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they didn't just ban it. Well, people have become so reliant on drone technology, like real estate photography. You know, uh, content creators oh, well, on YouTube. Every, every movie's got an overhead shot now. Remember, it used to be a big deal if you had a helicopter yes. shot in a movie. Now you're making a student film. There's a helicopter shot because you just use a drone. Like and and not only that, I was uh, I I did a commercial shoot for a home inspection company uh, a couple of weeks ago, and their job they basically inspect homes for people looking to buy them or people looking to sell them. They're they're a great company, great local company, and th- instead of climbing up on the roofs to inspect damage, now they send up a drone, so huh. that they don't have to put their guys <laughs> in danger. Like that's yeah yeah that's, that's very very cool that they can do that, and so. You know these devices, and here's the scary part, and 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 the dangerous part is that they have become so ingrained in so many industries. All of the DJI technology, they are extremely pervasive with almost no competition in certain areas. I mean, if you want to get a, a really kick-ass professional quality drone for five hundred bucks, it's a DJI. Right, like there, you just that's it. That's the only. I mean, every YouTuber I see use, and, and so, you know, this could hurt people trying to get a hold of these things and their ability to create the content or or the ability to get replacement parts or get them repaired or get service. But is it worth uh, this? Is the security worth it? Like, is it really a danger? I don't know. But uh, you know, smarter people than me with access to uh, top secret information are making these decisions, and so you just sort of have to trust that it's not just some kind of like you know, trying to strong arm them into a better trade deal of some kind, uh, that there's actual potential danger that we're being protected from. So just to keep you guys updated, I'll post that onto the Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, so you can read more about it and tell us what you think about DJI and about this this ban. Speaking of the government getting involved with your photography. Oh, yeah. The CASE Act was finally signed into law. Yeah, this this is something that's been... Oh, seven years, I guess, that they've been working on this, at least seven yes, years a long that they've time. been trying to get this passed. And there was one uh, senator in Oregon, I believe, yeah, Ron White was holding this up. Yeah, because one, cause one guy can hold up. Democratic senator from Oregon, Ron Wyden. He put a hold on it uh, because, you know, he's got deep pockets with the folks from Facebook and Google and they didn't want it. And so what they did, and this this happened with a lot of stuff. This is why you know when they when they put through the 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 uh, uh, plan that they just put through that, that Trump signed the defense bill. Uh, that's why it was so long was because a lot of people attach stuff like this to it. This is the way this is the way government works. I mean, everyone everyone always likes to say you know it's bull. They always put all this pork onto everything. It's not all pork. 
a lot of times it's stuff that they just simply you can't get it passed any other way. So we're going to stick it on this bill. And now you've got to not vote for this bill that you very much need to vote for in order to stop us from doing this thing we want to do. Now, it's part of the wheeling and dealing that goes on. Like, that's yeah. just how, how they get a lot of things. Right. And, you know, bipartisan support. They had, the leader in the, they, had the, uh, they had the leader in the Senate who was on board. They had the leader in the House who was on board. They had all the big people on board. And then one guy, one guy kept us from coming to the floor for a vote. And so they're like, great. Because he happened to be in a committee where it was advent- where he had the ability to do that. Well, and so we'll stick, it, we'll stick it on a bill and then, you know, now try and vote it down now. Yeah, they stick it on, on a must-pass bill. This was part of the big omnibus monstrosity, huge gargantuan bill that the president just signed into law, I think today or yesterday or recently. Well, if you're listening to it later, it just signed it into law. Yeah, so the CASE Act is now the law. Yeah, is now the law. So what does this mean for you? Well, what it means is, is if someone infringes on one of your photographs, if you have registered it with the Copyright Office, even if you haven't registered it, but there's a difference, you can now go to the Copyright Claims Board. It's a small claims division within the U.S. Copyright Office. It's a three-member panel of experts in copyright law. They will have the ability to award you up to $15,000 per work and up to $30,000 per claim if you registered with the Copyright Office. But even if you didn't register with the Copyright Office, they can award you up to $7,500 per work and $15,000 per claim. Right. So this is huge because traditionally, if you want to fight somebody in court, it's a federal case and you better be suing them for at least thirty grand, or else you're never going to get a copyright lawyer who's going to take your gig. Right. So basically, we have no recourse, even though you were technically in the right. Unless you got a lot of money, you got no way to get any recourse for being infringed upon. In addition to hitting up for money, they can just say, okay, they can just send a cease and desist to the guy who stole your image if they want to. Cases can be appealed to the federal court if, you know, if the person who you did this to wants to appeal, he can or she can. Here's the thing, though. No one has to participate. So you take my image, you put it on the side of your van, and then I go to the small claims court and I file a claim for five grand against you. They send a notification to you. And then you go, yeah, no, I'm not going to do anything about that. And then now I still have no choice but to sue you in federal court. But the idea is that if I wanted to sue you in federal court, the fact that you refuse to participate in the small claims might would help my case. You know, the judge might be like, okay, because it'd just be like, great, now I got this on my docket. Why didn't you sell this in small claims? Well, he refused to, to deal with small claims. Okay, well, I don't like you already now, if I'm the judge, right? So already, I'm, I'm, in, I'm favoring Mr. Bure, because, you know, you, because you shouldn't even be here for, a five, for this claim. Uh, that's the idea behind it, anyway. So it's going to remain to be seen how this is going to really affect the everyday work of photographers, but it is nice to see something get done. Yes, because nothing has been done in this area of copyright for like a hundred years, like it's pretty much. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. Glad to see that happen. And I know the folks at PPA, in particular, David Trust, the CEO and the board of directors, many different boards of directors over the years have been going to Washington and meeting with senators and other lawmakers about this for ages. So, uh, hey, uh, big deal. So. Thumbs up. Woohoo. One last story, which because it's, I, I don't want to wait on it because it's along the same lines. LeBron James has filed a countersuit against a photographer. Ooh, King James. King James. For $1 million. So here's what happened. A courtside photographer takes a picture of LeBron James. LeBron James then sees that picture on, I guess it was on uh, Instagram. He then puts it on his Instagram. The courtside photographer sues him 
for unlawful use of his image. And um, he asked for any money made off the post or for $150,000 at each time James used the image. Seems a little steep. <laughs> James has countersued because he says the photographer is using this is this is the great twist. The photographer is using that picture to promote his photography business. And LeBron James has not given the photography business the right to use his image in promotions. Okay. Yeah, this is kind of where we get into the copyright law area of it and I, I like I would assume that they get it into some kind of collective bargaining as press photographers at sporting events that they have certain rights to the images that they take. I would I would assume so too, but what but the tack that they're trying to take is you have rights to the images, but you don't have the right to use my image to promote your business. Any more than Pepsi can just decide to put my picture on a billboard if I'm the greatest basketball player alive without paying me a buttload of money. Right. Okay. You are putting my picture on your billboard, on your website, on your whatever to promote your photography business without without me giving you permission to do that and without being paid a fee. It's an interesting twist, right? Because in effect, isn't that the case with any picture that you post to promote your photography yeah, business? I mean, the, the precedent is is slightly alarming, um, for sure. But the you know, uh, according to what I read, the the attorneys for LeBron James claim that they've been trying to settle this. And yeah. that they've made offers that have been refused. Yeah, I, 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 but I want to know what the offers are because everyone's going to say that they could have offered the guy a grand yeah. or five hundred bucks, and and then they come back and go, "We've made very reasonable offers." Well, what were the reasonable offers? Tell us what. When they don't tell you what the offer is, I'm immediately suspect because if they had offered the guy, you know, fifty grand, they would have said, "We we offered him fifty thousand dollars," and he said no. Is this likely just to be to to be leverage the countersuit to be leverage to get him to settle? It's very possible. But I would love to see it go to court and have it and and have it be worked out. You know, if you take a picture of a celebrity and then you don't use it to advertise a product, but you use it to advertise the product of photography, the fact that you're a photographer, is that different than using it to endorse Pepsi? I always wonder phot- photographers who photograph a lot of celebrities and how they use the images in their portfolios. How what the Right. With the how they work out the rights to do that. You know, we we got like uh, Mark Mann is going to be speaking at Imaging USA at home and I you know, I I'm actually going to be the the uh the host in his room doing the live Q&A session with him. And so I was looking up his work and getting familiar with the stuff that he does and it's just like Pacino and like anybody you could think literally anyone celebrity you can think of the guys photographed over the years. And I'm just th- and as I'm sitting there I'm thinking like do they all all these celebrities know that that his portfolio is up here and that it's pictured or does that in the agreement when they, they shoot? I would imagine if you're experienced photographing celebrities that you would have that in, in your shooting agreement that would be in the contract that you could use the images on your website and sometimes they probably opt out of that. But the problem is with a sporting event, right? Like, do you have any expectation of privacy if it's a lot? It's not like he's got photos of LeBron James you know, holding a Pepsi, he's LeBron James photographed or being photographed playing basketball on national and international television. Yeah, but but if you took that same picture and you put it on a billboard and you said Pepsi is for winners and it was a picture of LeBron James dunking the ball, he'd sue you and he'd be right. But if you take that same picture and you put it on a billboard and you say Bob Smith photography, that's okay. Mm, Yeah, but you're not putting it on a billboard (laughs) saying Bob Smith photography. It's in an artist's portfolio. 
I mean, again, it all comes down. Yeah, to- but he no, but they're saying he is because he when he when you he put if you put it on Instagram, you know, under your name, you are in effect advertising your business. Well, I mean, we just don't know the details behind the scenes, including I'm not completely familiar with what they what these 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 uh you know photographers agree to in their collective bargaining. Yeah, I would like to know. Yeah, and and if uh, but I get the distinct feeling, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion that. It's probably normal among sports photographers. Like, oh, there you go. Ha ha, I used your photo. Now you get to sue them. That's going to be a nice Christmas for you, my friend. I feel like that, it's, that it might be this unspoken thing among live sports photographers where they, if they get, if they catch a, a, a famous athlete using their photos, that it's like almost feels like, ha it's payday now. Like, I knew we were going to talk about this today. So on the drive over to the studio, I was thinking about it to where. It seems like it'd be unlikely that that doesn't cross somebody's mind. I I think it's, I guess, unless you're freelance, you know, I mean, if you're not freelance, then I think it's more like, I shoot for Sports Illustrated. I shoot, I give all my stuff to Sports Illustrated. That's their ball game now. If I see my picture on somebody's Instagram or whatever, that's not, that, I don't own those pictures. That's Sports Illustrated. But if I'm freelance, then, yeah, maybe there's some of that as a freelance photographer, but there's also the side of, of I can't burn this bridge. I'm not going to be a freelance photographer for long. Because you know what LeBron James might be able to do? He'd be like, hey, uh, you can't come to our games anymore. <laughs> yeah. You think this guy's going to be able to get a press pass now? That I don't know. You know, I mean, there's something to be there's something to be said for the idea that you just be like, I want to sell the image and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if LeBron uses it, okay, I'm not going to step on LeBron's toes. I think that would be petty, but but possible, you know, because like, I don't know. To me, it's it's... I just don't have enough information. If you are a bombardier out there who does this kind of work and you have some inside baseball, I yes, pun intended, inside basketball information on uh, what those agreements are like and what you can and can't do with the images, we would love to hear about it. So send us an email, questions at photobombpodcast.com or just uh, blow us up on the Facebook page because neither of us know Jack Diddley Squad about it. That's about right. That's about right. All right. Are we ready to wrap this thing up? I believe we are. And don't forget the Photobomb is written and produced by Blu-ray Perry and Gary Hughes. And our editor is Daniel Munoz. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. Our web address, our website is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfioretti.com. My website is blu-rayperry.com. And you can email us, questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you next week. One bidet at a time, man. I'm not even, even going to say anything. <laughs> see you later.